It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, Weekend Editions here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach. And uh, the rum connoisseur, Damon Barr, is in. You can find us on Twitter, at Hale Varsity, at ESPN Lincoln. And uh, find uh, me and Mark, Chris Schmidt, at Schmidt underscore radio on Twitter, at Mark Skurs for Mark Cranach, and at Damon Barr, that's two R's, on Twitter. We are loaded up this morning. Uh, Going to rewind with uh, the pirate himself, Mike Leach. Had a chance to catch up with uh, the pirate get us just check he's down in key west so we'll have some some fun key west adventures uh from the pirate here around 7 30 at uh, eight o'clock into hour two uh former nebraska assistant now outside linebacker coach at tennessee and special teams guru uh we say hi to mike eckler coach eckler going to be with us and uh, the iron horse gary sharp sharp we love talking with him some husker football some husker baseball Coming up, numbers to get in, 466-3776-800-825-5865. And can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Cranach, what's good? How you doing this morning? Fantastic, sir. We're moving into that time of year where, you know, baseball's going to wrap up soon. And then we're going to be, you know, it's, it's like the waiting game for football. It's kind of always the waiting game for football. Well, I know, but at least there's stuff to distract us now. No, I know. You know? I know. And, and Husker baseball last night, fantastic. I mean, everybody got rolling 12 to 2, the beatdown of Northwestern. Yeah, three uh, you, in a row now. Yep. You yeah. got a little help, too, with uh, Indiana going down and Nebraska now in first place, back where they belong uh, in uh, the Big Ten baseball race. Uh, a lot to to kind of sift through, and when you have the uh, the proposed regional sites released, you had that opportunity and option for for Lincoln to be a host site. It it does not look like that's going to come to fruition for Nebraska, and uh, that's that's tough. And uh, you know the Big Ten again, uh, absolutely screwing the pooch. On, on their plans versus the rest of, I don't know, a, a sport, i.e. college baseball, with a number of the power conferences allowing non-conference games to help boost an RPI. Now, it's nice the Big Ten could have four to five teams in the field of 64, but, man, Nebraska's margin for error, not great. You go back to the Rutgers series, Nebraska responding the, the right way last weekend, taking three of four in Piscataway, uh, and, and splitting with Indiana, 
But man, uh, it would have been cool. Cranach, you, you and I uh, grew up as part of our broadcasting adventures with the University of Nebraska, proud uh, alum. We were able to do a lot of Husker baseball games and uh, pre, you know, Haymarket. This was at, at Buck Belzer. <laughs> <laughs> where, yeah. where, where we're we're pulling a MacGyver to set up some equipment uh, on the outside of the 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 press box, and, and it's like, hey, don't touch this metal Marty unit, or you may you, die. May, you may get electrocuted. Like, <laughs> You're like, yeah, a like duly noted, Professor Alloway. Thank you, sir. <laughs> and uh, we're watching Ken Harvey hit bombs, and then to see it explode into. Well, standing room only, and then let's bring in bleachers when Texas comes to town during the Van Horn and Bolt era. It was it was really cool to see Nebraska baseball become what it what it became. And now you fast forward to the Big Ten, and you know, just kind of an you've got really talented coaches. You've got an incredible coach in Will Bolt, and a fantastic roster for Husker baseball. But man, you're just in the wrong league, and you can't do anything about it. <laughs> It's at least as of now, but it's not you, you can you can still make stuff happen if you can establish establish yourself as like the authority as the super fast one in a slow group. Hmm. You can be OK. I mean, you got you it, in Michigan and Indiana. I mean, those are those are good base. That's a it, you have some some top heat right with with the baseball set up in the Big Ten. But yeah, it, and the, then, and then the you compa- go to Michigan State and Northwestern and you look at their facilities for baseball and you're like, oh, this. <laughs> there's not even a can. You got to go to a porta potty, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, there's going to be, there's going to be some of that, but you look at like volleyball university of Michigan has, it looks like they're playing in a, in a middle school gym. Right. Right. Their priorities are not that, for volleyball. But that hasn't, but that hasn't stopped the big 10 from dominating volleyball. Right. right. <laughs> Nationally. Right. So yeah, I think you'll have a few of those outliers. It's, it's it's a it's a pretty it's an okay. I'm coming around to the brand of baseball that is in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. It's a, you know I'm a, we'll say I'm enamored by it. It's not as exciting as as Big Twelve. Mm. It's just not. You just the, the talent level isn't the same. It just isn't um, top to bottom. But if if you go back and you reflect on where Will Bolt is at, where he has this team compared to what outside observers had expected at the beginning of the year. A top six is preseason named uh, in terms of teams, right? They just say, hey, here's, here are the top six teams. In the big- Nebraska didn't even make the top six for the conference. We're, we're not even expected to be one of these six best. And now they're sitting on top of the standings with a couple weekends left. I mean, the, where he has them compared to what people thought, something else. And And we all know that it's, it's not just he lucked into some talent that was left over. There is some of that, no question. You got some a couple of two-way guys like Hallmark, and, Schwellenbach, that does not hurt you. But and he's the first to tell you, I, I had a really nice roster to come in. Yeah, yeah, he's got. I mean, he's got some dudes now. Um, you know, but he's also went out and recruited really well. When you when you think of that combination that that him and his staff bring to the table, so one, they have really good Nebraska connections. That's good. Very good junior college connections. That's good. Very good Texas connections. You can build a roster with that. <laughs> you know, you you can do it. You can build a roster that has a chip on its shoulder with that. So is um, that the football formula then? <laughs> can we go JUCO? Can you honestly? Go, can you go Texas? Can you go Nebraska? 
look, if if you only recruited Nebraska in football, or if if you recruited Nebraska better, okay, one, you'd have like forty eight tight ends on your roster. You would, because apparently that's all Nebraska knows how to produce anymore is a bunch of tight ends, <laughs> um, which is fine. But it's just you know, can we diversify? It's the it's Maybe the match, it's a matchup equalizer on offense, Cranack. Yeah. Can we get a couple centers? Or, you know, yeah, one that's uh, that's it's working on his uh, pass pro in the in the family uh, field. Uh, when you look at the Cam Jurgens video, and that bull wanted nothing to do with Nebraska's four foot high leaping uh, center in Cam Jurgens. Cam Jurgens is an athletic freak. We're gonna have to do a whole segment on that alone um, a little bit later. Maybe Mike Eckler will, um, you know, when he joins us in the eight o'clock hour. I'm sure he was. I'm sure Cam was on his radar um, back then. You know when Cam sure. was seven. Um, <laughs> you know, sure at that point he'd heard there's a kid in Beatrice that's, you know, almost six foot tall, and uh, at age four, <laughs> and has put and has put seven pee wee football players into the hospital. Like, um, no, but back to baseball. It's it's yeah. it's nice to see. Look, no, you you did. I did wonder, anyways. The way Nebraska's schedule is shaken out, essentially, when you boil it down, they got kind of the easier teams early in the schedule. It's backloaded. Yeah. And then, yeah, now they're getting the tougher teams. So you did wonder how they'd respond, and it was not a great sign when they got swept at home by Rutgers. You're just sort of like, oh, okay. Maybe, you know, maybe this team's okay, but mm-hmm. when it comes to actually playing some of the top-end teams in the league, you know, maybe they don't have enough. Really responded well in that pod out in Piscataway. Split that. And then now you come back and you have Northwestern and you just dominate them. So it's it's impressive what Will Bolt's doing. And I think I wouldn't I wouldn't be too concerned that Nebraska is not in the regional discussion this year. Fast forward two years. And if it's still like that, then. Wow, the Big Ten's really bad for Nebraska, <laughs> right? But I, I, I think they can get it on the radar. I think they can raise the profile. Well, and, and we're, right? you know, the CWS had the hiatus last year two years ago though i mean michigan's one game away from a national championship i mean they were in the final right. final three against against vandy and they they took the first game so i mean that was monumental for a michigan program that was really good to uh to deliver in the postseason and it had been for the first time since the Barry freaking larkin era you know where you had a Big Ten team, and of course you had uh, Schwarber and the, those Indiana squads seven, eight years ago that were pretty decent. They were in some super regionals, but you had that Arizona, you had Arizona State go and pluck the Indiana head coach, which is the first time ever. You had a you had a Pac twelve uh, dominant and and like legendary program in Arizona State baseball. Say, so, yeah, we're going to hire from from Indiana, you know. But Indiana's made made the transition. Craydeck. Uh, Kind of a, an eighth home game in the form of a concert for Nebraska football. And, you know, I don't dislike Garth Brooks. I think his music's pretty high level. There's millions of Garth Brooks fans. And for the first time since uh, Willie Nelson and Lou Reed and a bunch of dudes, i.e. Farm Aid 3, 1987 Memorial Stadiums, uh, I'm going to shake, rattle, and roll just a little bit here uh, with uh, – Kind of a summer, uh, end of summer, let's get into football season, concert kickoff. I love this. I'm glad this got put together. I'm super excited for it, and I'm excited for it to be the first of many to kind of start a new tradition 
I hope that's a reality uh, moving forward. But man, I can't I can't smile enough about the news that Memorial Stadium is going to open her doors up to uh, to ninety thousand Nebraska fans. You know, just in front of football season. Do we know that how the configuration is going to be there yet? I haven't looked into it. I'm as pretty much. sure he's going to be like in the center of the field, and and nobody on the field, everybody in the stands. I believe so. Okay, so just the stadium. That that's okay. It's it's interesting, and and the fact that it, it's a little different too, right? Where it's the university directly. He's because that's a huge name, man. This, this it's not like you're getting, I don't know, sort of that Tom second to third tier performer. I mean, you're getting literally one of the top known performers on the planet. I mean, that's like getting you two or something, right? right? That was suggested of, to us by Coach Jeff Smith this week. Uh, Coach Brett wants uh, either ACDC or the Foo Fighters. See next time, I, it, yeah, and and. The, the fact that Nebraska football is somehow associated with it, I still haven't quite wrapped my brain around that. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Like, Nebraska football proudly welcomes Garth Brooks. Like, what? Well, it's... How? The, what the, are you doing? The like, fans, I, I, baby. I, what's that? I said a lot of Nebraska fans have Garth in their playlist, you know? No, t- no, totally. I, and I'm not saying I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just talking about like the connection to Nebraska football and it being called referenced as an eighth home game. Well, <laughs> just it, like, wait, are they get, is Garth going to run through a gauntlet of Husker football? Like, he's what are he's they, been here before. Are they doing security? He's been what? here before. And because he had like a five consecutive show stretch, I think, at PBA. A while mm-hmm. back, and Dolman was telling us yesterday about uh, the time Garth showed up at practice, and I think T.O. was still coaching. And so the, the PBA thing, not, not so much, but I'm saying there was, a, there was a stretch a while back, and forgive me, I didn't go. But Garth was uh, on the field, wanted the, to talk to the team, and I guess uh, that, that all happened. And not sure if this was, yeah, this might have been like late 90s. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think Garth's probably a, a big-time football fan. Kenny Chesney's a big-time football fan. I mean, a lot of the musical acts get into it. And if you can pull off 90,000, <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. Well, he went to work for her that summer, right? Hmm? He's a teenage kid not far from home. Right. Sorry, I was just trying to mix in his <laughs> lyrics. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, now, now, Garth, some people don't know this, speaking of baseball, speaking of Big 12 baseball. He's a big old Okie State guy. He was an Oklahoma State baseball player. I thought he was a javelin track guy. I, okay, see, this is where legends are, are born and lied about. I had heard that he was, I had it on very good authority, that he was a baseball player. And didn't he actually get a little stint in one of the minor in one of the uh, – he was like in the Mets organization. I, I look at like Oklahoma State lore, and, and that is Pete Incavilia and Robin Ventura from from way, way back. But you'll He's, need to confirm or deny the, the Garth Brooks played college baseball. Yeah, Garth Brooks, high school and college athlete. In high school, he played football, baseball, basketball. He received a track scholarship, a track scholarship to Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. throwing the javelin. You're right. Yeah, 
it is interesting that he did not have a college scholarship in baseball, yet still managed to try out and participate on three major league teams. He did go to spring training with the Mets, Padres, the Padres and Royals. Royals in 04. Yeah, Mets 2000. That was a good year to be with the Mets. Signed a co- contract with the Padres. <laughs> he was one. <laughs> he was one for twenty-two with them. Moonlight Graham, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And then he did have uh, he did have a hit for Kansas City infield single off Mariners pitcher Mike Myers. Let's just be honest. He was probably batting cleanup for Kansas City back in 04. <laughs> he could have been. Actually, the 04 well Royals have. finished with eighty wins wins that season. So, you know. Uh, good enough. Cranach, how do you feel about Nebraska's recruiting? Let's talk quarterbacks for a second. And you've got kind of a, a group of four, uh, Bianco out of, out of Hawaii. Uh, Harrell uh, is uh, another talent that is on the list. Uh, MJ Morris, of course, from Atlanta. And then Torres out of the San Antonio region. And Morris was here for the spring game, but there's not really been a, a follow-up official. I know Torres is supposed to be here June 4th-ish, uh, and and he's really kind of comparable to a Harburg size-wise. Bianco's a kid that, you know, out of St. Louis High, where Mariota and Milton are from, and Nebraska's got good Hawaiian connections uh, with Tuioti and, of course, Frost's. Um, connections uh, in the islands, and 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 then you've got uh, those those three really are kind of your top three on the board, and some of the other offers that went out, kids have committed, but it, it's so vital to to find a quarterback in your your class. Clearly, but you want to. Once that domino falls, the rest of your, your offensive skill can kind of round out. And, you know, I look at I look at Nebraska and their quarterback setup, and, you know, you got some upside and, and high hopes for, for Adrian's season this year. I really like Harburg. I've not closed the door on Smothers either with his athleticism. And another kid that's not in 2022, but 2023, this Mooney kid out of Louisiana. I really love watching what he can do. So, you know, I think Nebraska's in an okay spot. It just just depends what they do with this 2022 get at quarterback. And and Marshall's a guy that I should Marshall uh, Morris, excuse me. Morris is the guy that is kind of the high profile Georgia Atlanta connection that. Man, he could he could be nice, but you know you need to see him throw in person. Uh, Bianco's the kid out of Hawaii, and and I know he had a a, a COVID ravaged season last year where he didn't get football as a junior, and he was dinged up as a sophomore. So, but what you have seen, or what the word is on him, is you know wow, even though it's it's limited and. You know, how do you go about this if you're Nebraska when you're when you're looking at quarterback here for for 2022? I think you go into it not feeling panicked, at least, because, as you mentioned, the quarterback situation currently and there's a potentially another year for Martinez. Let's not rule Mm -hmm. that out. That's possible. It doesn't seem terribly likely, but it is possible. He's graduated now. He could focus just on football. He's going to have a sweet sweet podcast going, too. 
right? So maybe he has a maybe he has sort of like a an on track year. Nebraska gets back to the bowl game, his stock starts to rise, and it's like come back for another year and really kill it. And you can work yourself into the top few rounds, right? Like let's let's not forget that that raw talent exists within him, <laughs> right? You just don't know. So he he's potentially coming back. You got Harburg on campus. We see what he's about. Smothers, I think you're. I think it's a good way to say it, where you just don't close the door on him. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely has some athleticism, and and you know made some of the right throws too. When rewatching the spring game, like he he seems like he has a pretty f- full and thorough understanding of what what's happening in the offense. I liked that fourth quarter. I really liked yeah. that fourth quarter between Smothers driving the team down, getting a touchdown, and then Harburg. Uh, his magic, little John Elway yeah. tribute, right, to get the win at the buzzer. Yeah, and so like the quarterback situation right now is as healthy as it has been in a long time. So if you you do not have to, I don't believe you have to land a quarterback in this class. I don't think you have to. You want to, it's not, I really don't see it as like an, um, an absolute necessity, especially if, as, as you mentioned, there's really a dude in 2023 that you're after. Because you do have a little bit of a log jam, too. If you bring in a guy right now, just in terms of just class just distribution, mm-hmm. where where you know, you, you almost know at this point, if you did bring in a, another quarterback this year and say Martinez left, one of those guys is leaving anyways, right? So it's like, I don't know. It, it's, it's a very weird year for quarterback recruiting. Nebraska is not used to being in this position. So I think... For, for quite a while, it's sort of been your scholarship starter and walk-on backups for quite a while. You're not used to having scholarship options. You, you now have multiple. Um, so I don't think it's a rush, but but we'll see. M- MJ Morris, he, he, d- he delayed his decision. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to announce, I think it was Thursday, right? He decided to uh, Mid- delay that Mid-May, decision. yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. and the thing that I'm interested in is – We've talked about you know transfer spots and you you look where do you look right you got a couple of spots left. I'm really anxious to to see these backups and the underclassmen get the developmental reps. I mean that's so key and you did it's just been all jumbled all over college campuses because of of this past season where a lot of kids didn't have a spring ball or a summer ball and then you're kind of thrust into fall. So yeah. give me a, a summer and another fall with Harburg, with Smothers, and and keep the recruit or the, the recruiting train going uh, with who you're going after. Because I think the four options Nebraska's down to with with 2022, uh, clearly there's there's a top of the board and then there's a bottom of the board. But I think if you see and you get uh, an in person visit and you're able to work them out. Take the yes with who you like best because I think you're in good position. I mean, NC State yeah. and, and and Georgia Tech are, are right there for for Morris, and you know there's the location thing with Bianco and Hawaii, and then there's Torres, and his stock's kind of risen a little bit too with some of the the seven on seven. It's uh, seven thirty weekend edition. Hail Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Damon Barr. Quick time out, and uh, we'll rewind it next with the Pirate Mike Leach. It's Hale Varsity Weekend. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Now back with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. 
Mike Leach back with us. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, what have you been up to? How are you? Well, we had spring football. I thought that went pretty good and uh, had a lot of enthusiasm, and that's where it kind of starts. So we got a lot of good work in, and then uh, which we desperately needed it. Um, and I'm in Florida now, so these uh, guys are out of school, and, and we'll load it up again in June, you know. Well, a little breather down to Florida, Key West. Yeah, you, you got your uh, your feet up. You, are you poolside? No, not quite poolside. Actually, trying to get uh, trying to use it as kind of a eat right, get exercise uh, period. You know, <laughs> Camp Leach. I like it. Well, it uh, is kind of. <laughs> so, so what's the exercise regiment, and what's the uh, the diet look like? Well, the exercise there isn't much of a the the uh, uh, it's not as aggressive as you'd think, but I do try to bike around the island every day, which is about 13 miles. Uh, and then the biggest thing, eating wise, just try to eat less. I mean, there's better ways to do it. And I try to eat nutritious stuff, but um, just overall try to eat less. And then uh, uh, I've been pretty good about eating nutritious food. You know, down here you can get fish pretty easy it's not hard to find your way into some fish and and so that helps and then uh uh chicken and uh you know so i i've been pretty good that way i have to say mike leach with us hail varsity radio head coach mississippi state so the uh u.s consumer and uh, product safety commission has just sent out a tweet little while ago and they are advising americans do not put gasoline in plastic bags i thought people kind of already knew that but uh you know i guess uh you know i guess some people have to be instructed in all things as the bible goes you know well wait wait. how did they do it why why they put it in plastic bags well you've got the gasoline shortage going on you know due to the pipeline right the hack that went on so you've got folks either hoarding gas in southern states or part of the east coast and then there's so much video on twitter of some gal i saw showing up and i don't know if it was a walmart bag and i'm not just calling out walmart but you know your old normal plastic sack a little bit bigger version where she she grabs the pump and starts filling and then just walks away (laughs) oh wow that's wild yeah. Um, so folks are getting gas anyway. Have you run a, Have you run into any issues with that? No, I'm pretty much on my bike here. But uh, the whole fact that we have a gas, uh, you know, we were energy independent uh, a couple months ago, and now we have a gas uh, shortage, and uh, that they're not comfortable referring to as a shortage. Uh, yet there's people all lined up. Uh, no, I think there's a, I don't know where the incompetence lies, but there's obviously a high level of it uh, and probably several layers stacked on top of one another. Well, Coach, I wanted to ask you, Bill Moose has been uh, in the in the news here recently, and he's pretty excited uh, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, one, the, the football facility for Nebraska is moving forward. Two, uh, he's not been bashful about some expectations in Lincoln, and and the the schedule's pretty daunting. But I wanted to get your take. You worked for 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 Bill, and uh, did great things at Washington State. Did you guys ever have, I guess, preseason meetings or, or 
or postseason meetings about expectations? Because I know you really enjoyed your time with him. Yeah, you know, we, we really did. Now, he's great at building facilities. If you think about it, he's probably the best facility builder in the history of football. I mean, he built that one at Oregon, got connected, you know, those guys at Oregon, and uh, was instrumental in building that facility. Built the one at Washington State. Sounds like well underway uh, there at Nebraska, and uh, which that's it, going to be an outstanding facility. I can promise you that. And uh, uh, but no, nah, not really. Although Bill is optimistic. I mean, you know, Bill's uh, he'd uh, he'd expect you to beat Ohio State and. Michigan, and if you couldn't play in both uh, uh, both uh, two different weeks, maybe they could just have an all-star team and you get two wins when you come away, you know. But, uh, <laughs> uh, no, he's optimistic. He's fired up and loves football. And so, uh, and no, he was, he was awesome to work with. Um, anything's possible with Bill, you know. From a from a from a build standpoint, I mean, you kind of had your own bar. I mean, you had your own expectations. But did you feel like? And I look at that year four, where you guys won eleven ball games, and, and then you, you jumped you know, nine, and then eleven, and and I mean, you, you had it rolling up there. And did did you feel like by year four it would pop, or did you just never know? Because you know you have the your, your your start at Tech. You had your success there at Washington State, and I know you're you're uh, you're on the the road to progress in in, uh, in Mississippi State as well. But did you have your own kind of I guess mile marker, or were you just kind of engulfed in the process, and, and the rest will take care of itself? I was. Uh... Just full throttle. I mean, I didn't want to put any ceilings on what was possible, but, uh, you know, all I could control was uh, me and the, the others around me doing the best that we could. And mm-hmm. so I just tried to focus on that. You know, are we doing the best we can? Are we making the most out of our resources we can? Because, you know, you don't, you, you don't have a lot of control over what the other guys got. And, you just got to maximize what you've got. And so I always focused on that and, uh, and, you know, just trying to make sure we are better, uh, uh, you know, better one day after the next and, you know, and then try to set that course of achievement as you go and, and keep improving. And, but then, uh, you know, we had a thing hanging up that said compete with yourself. And I guess I felt that way coaching-wise, too. I mean, uh, gauge your performance uh, by whether it's the best of your ability. Mike Leach with us. few minutes, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, what what did a, a new facility do for you? What did it do for the program? How vital are they? Well, it was incredible, especially for Washington State. you got to understand, well, Washington State, we were spread out over four different floors in the old gym. It was a catacomb. And, you know, you didn't even know, uh, you know, within your program where all the stuff was. You know, uh, the receivers are on one floor, the DBs are on another, so it went. And uh, my office was actually kind of a hallway. Um, And, uh, no, it was, uh, facility-wise, it was pretty tough. Uh, 
uh, I'd have to say Washington State was as bare bones facility wise as as I'd seen at the time, and um, and so uh, now we we desperately needed one there. Now Nebraska, I don't. I would be very surprised if they're as far behind as it was at Washington mm-hmm. State at the time. But um, the one thing when we did build the facilities at Washington State, and they did it in a great fashion. You know, the end zone at the end of the field, all in one building, one block, you know, and so it was very, very efficient. It was as efficient, it was the most efficient football facility I've ever been a part of because it was in one end zone and Washington State's built on a hill, so it presents some challenges. Um, so we were at the top of the hill and you could see all different directions. And when I first got to Washington State, I would guide myself around town by looking toward the hill in the middle of town where the crane was, the crane adding to the stadium. And I try to figure out where I was in relation to that crane. But uh, they uh, definitely needed a facility at Washington State, needed one desperately. And then, you know, it was, uh, you know, that became such a perfect one stop. You didn't have to go anywhere for anything starting at the beginning of the day with. If you're a player with uh, tutors, your coach, your meetings, uh, meals, weight room, everything. Mike Leach with us, uh, Hale Varsity Radio. So I got to ask, any any summer travel plans? We we always catch up and talk about uh, the adventures of, of Coach Leach. You, you sent out a, a tweet earlier last week with a with a big old lion looking hungry under a tree. Are you got? You have a safari plan this summer? You know, I'm trying to sort one out. I would love to. Uh, don't know if I'm going to get it done or not, but uh, if I can, I'd like to try to go to Africa, you know. And um, so we'll see if we can figure that out or not. So what, what's your top three right now, your top, your top three travel destinations? Uh, that I haven't been. No, that, that, that you, no, that, that you've gone to. If 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 someone says, "All right, once this pandemic finally gets done, I want to go travel again," what's the the tour guide coach Leach say? Uh, okay, the easiest, the most instant, the most uh, beautiful, that type of thing. Hawaii, I'd have to say okay. Hawaii. Okay, you know Hawaii is almost impossible to beat, and. Um, Hawaii's very impossible to beat. And then I think that, uh, uh, well, New Zealand, as far as just outright compelling, like something you've never seen. I mean, it's literally like Middle Earth, and that's where they filmed it. New Zealand's hard to beat, but it's also very hard to get there. That's one advantage of Hawaii. It's not very hard to get there. And then I'll tell you another one is uh, kind of the whole, and I take it for granted because I grew up out there, but mm-hmm. the whole uh, going through the Mountain West, you know, like a dude ranch, that type of thing, through the Mountain West, uh, uh, you know, I think is pretty tough to beat. And um, and my kids try to remind me of that all the time, you know, because I think about going to a beach or something like that. And, you know, grew up in uh, Cody, Wyoming, right there next to Yellowstone. But everybody that's ever gone there, and my kids have all loved it. It's cool. Uh, the The Yellowstone trip we took, man, thirty years ago is still talked about today with our family. Just how much fun we had 
the fact that there's, you know, a bison there eating some grass or you go up to the lodge and there's snow and then you descend down the mountain and it's 75 by a brook. So it was, you know, we went in, in I think, uh, late to mid-May uh, a long time ago. But no, the, the Mountain West region's really cool. Mike Leach with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, it is prom season. So what what kind of what kind of dad were you with prom did you make your your kids feel comfortable, or were you good about making your kids feel uncomfortable for prom picks? And then how did you deal with the, the prom dates? Did you make them feel comfortable, or was it all about kind of trying to, to make them squirm? Uh, probably a little of both. I, one, I was kind of ambivalent about it, you know. I mean, so they kind of took care of the pictures, and the, they took care of the uh, – uh, you know, how they went to the date, where they went, all that. And, and you know, my uh, kids were, you know, I, I didn't have wild kids. I was blessed that way. <laughs> but I did always I did always threaten them that, uh, that I was going to show up at the prom, that I was just going to show up at the prom and, and uh, just walk in and, 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 and wave at them, you know. <laughs> hey, hey, hi, Janine, it's me, your dad. You know, and just yell that out in front of everybody, and that would be hilarious. And I actually kind of wished I'd done it. I didn't, but I kind of wish I did. So how close did you come to doing it? Were you restrained uh, from doing it? Nah, well, my, my wife didn't think it was nearly as funny as I did, but she didn't think it was nearly as funny as I did, and I thought it was pretty funny. But, no, nah, I never did do it. I never did do it, but, you know, it's like people don't really regret what they do they regret what they didn't do and i think that's probably that's probably one of those things a few more minutes hail varsity radio back with you schmitty and uh, elijah herbal we are continuing to chat here with the pirate mike leach all right what was the first big purchase coach uh, you, you, you made for you or for your family when uh, you, you kind of made it you, you made that jump to a uh, coaching position. We've talked student loans before, but uh, what's something you did for yourself? Jeez. Uh, well, before I could afford it, because I've always been very curious about travel, before I could afford it, I did take a trip to Hawaii. Okay. And I stayed in very cheap housing there. And um, stayed in very cheap housing there in uh but, you know, of course, we walked everywhere and did the thing, and it was good. And uh, got to see Hawaii. And then, um, um, so that was well worth it. Uh, you know, a lot of what I bought or had was, you know, pretty utilitarian, like a, a car or something, you know, sure. like uh, try to get a car, or turn in a car, you know, because uh, my wife made more money than I did for. Uh, the first 10 years we were married as I was scratching and clawing and going through law school and trying to get away with coaching. Mm -hmm. And, uh, shoot, I'm trying to think, uh, you know, it's like, I never felt like I wanted for anything because I wasn't a big stuff guy. You know, I was a, an experienced guy, not a stuff guy. Like, I don't. I've gotten to the point where I don't even know the makes and models of cars anymore. You know, they all look the same for one, but I don't care for another. And so then, but uh, yeah, I tried to have cool experiences as I could. 
you know, I mean, on one hand, it wasn't really a luxury, but I wanted to see Europe or travel the best I could. So I went and coached Finland for, in Finland for a season. And in the course of that, got to go see some other countries. And, uh, you know, but we kind of ground along on that. But I don't know. There's a lot of things to enjoy in every process you do. And so try to do that because, and then every job I've ever had, every job I have ever had, it's like, uh, I wanted to go see the, you know, there's something I wish I'd gone to see like, okay. So when I coached at Kentucky, I never went to the Kentucky Derby because I was going to go the next year, the next year, the next year. And, you know, when I was there, and really had it wired potentially, um, I didn't go. But since then, I've been to the Kentucky Derby twice. But then you have to really try to get there, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And so then, uh, uh, well, then in Washington, for example, um, the, uh, you know, those islands out there, uh you know the the uh, those uh, the channel. What are they called? You know the Chenda Islands off Anacortes and all that. But mm-hmm. I always wanted to go see those. And yeah, I was right there. All I had to do was really take a long weekend and could have done it. And you know, you get busy, do something else, go somewhere else because you want to get out. Well, you know, right there in your backyard, a lot of times is the best. And then you'll end up leaving. You don't get to see it. You know. Coach, last thought uh, announcement today, Garth is uh, playing Memorial Stadium. Garth Brooks going to do a show. So if Mike Leach could draft a a musical act for your football stadium, who would it be? Oh, I don't know. Garth Brooks is pretty good. That's hard to argue with that. Um, uh, Garth Brooks is outstanding. Uh, You know, shoot, when I was at Valdosta, my favorite was Travis Tritt. I thought that'd be a good one. Here's a quarter here's a quarter call someone who cares, you know? Uh, yeah, you better look after yourself because, uh, you know, you think it's tough or whatever. Here's a quarter call someone who cares. So, uh, I always like, and I never met him or anything, but, uh, he was from near Valdosta. I can't remember where, maybe Douglas, Georgia or somewhere. I never had the pleasure of meeting him, but I always liked his music. Mike Leach with us. Coach, where are you off to now as we say goodbye? Well, we're going to get a we're a Cuban coffee queen getting a cup of uh, Cuban coffee, which is basically espresso. And then, uh, and then uh, you know, I'm going to circumvent the island, and uh, uh, the procrastinating's over. I now have to go uh, and pedal, <laughs> uh, and I make up every excuse I can to put it off. Uh, and draw out activities in order to avoid it. But uh, eventually, in fairness, I do typically end up uh, getting my licks in and, and, and pedaling the bike. Sometimes I procrastinate to where I'm doing it at night, but I usually uh, pay the piper, so to speak. Well, Coach, have a good ride. We'll do this again. Fun to get caught up again. All right. I look forward to talking to you again. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. 
Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach. Damon Barr, big thanks to Coach Leach on the Rewind segment. Welcome in the pride of Blair, Nebraska, now at the University of Tennessee, outside linebackers coach and special teams coordinator Mike Eckler back with us. Coach, uh, it's good to chat with you again. How you doing? You know what? Doing great, man. How you doing? We're good, man. We're good. We're we're kind of geared That's in too on. Bad. Good, you know, good's average. <laughs> I'm, well, okay. Great. I'm go, going going to, to from good to great. Uh, there we go. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to great. But I'm interested, uh, Coach Eckler. How's the the settling in going, man? It looks like you're having a blast in Tennessee. You know what? It, it's awesome. I mean, it's an incredible place. Really, it reminds you a lot of um, a lot of the passion same passion as Nebraska football. I mean, these, the people, our fan base here, I mean, it is, it's incredible. Had a chance, Peyton Manning came and spent the whole day with us yesterday, and that was one thing that, that he talked about. He said, you know, he said, said well, we got to get this thing turned back around, and, and he said our, our fan base is one of the most passionate in the country, and he said that's one of the reasons I came here. He said, I love the passion that, that it was important. And, and you know, and that it reminded me reminded me a lot of um, being in Nebraska. I mean, it's it's very similar. Mike Eckler is with us on uh, Hale Varsity Radio, and Coach, you mentioned that you mentioned Tennessee, its similarity to Nebraska, and you look at the stops that you have had since you started your coaching career in the early two thousands. I mean, Oklahoma, LSU, Southern Cal, Georgia, of course, Nebraska. I mean, th- these are it's basically a bucket list of all the places you would want. Like, if you were trying to schedule a, hey, what would be the ultimate road trip as a college football fan over the course of a season? Like, those are all the stops. Is there a tie that binds between all of those sort of blue bloods, prominent programs that you've noticed as, as you've made your stops in your career? Well, it, the one thing I'd say, again, is, is passion. I mean, all the all those all those places that you just mentioned. I mean, you have people that are extremely passionate about the university, about the program, and you know, it's it's, it's interesting. I would say here and and Nebraska are probably two of the most passionate places I've been. Coach, I want to go to your time in Lincoln before we talk about you know what what things are going to look like and. In Tennessee, and your stop in Lincoln, 08 to, to 2010, and those were, were really good years in, in Lincoln. Did you guys have an, an inkling of how good that 09 defense could be, or did they even kind of surprise you with with just what they did? I think we had an idea, but I, when you look back at that, I mean, you look at the year that Philip Dillard had. Right. I mean, he kind of came out of nowhere. And, and, I mean, like literally, he did not play in the first three games of that season. And you look at the year that and Sue had. I mean, that, that was one. I mean, the guy almost won the Heisman. And then you had Jared Crick. You had um, Prince of Mucamara. You had um, Fonzo Denard. You know, Eric Haig. 
and um, I mean, a, a bunch of other guys. So they, it kind of all just came together, and we just had some great leadership. So to say that I, I knew that we were going to be the top defense in the country going into that year, no. But it sure was a fun ride. You know, and then after that 09 season, Coach, along comes a guy that, that you got to coach directly, uh, Levante David in 2010. When, when I mention his name and when you think back to that time, how he rolls up just right out of JUCO and establishes himself so early, it, just what comes to mind and, and when did something maybe click for you? Was it in the recruiting process or was it once he was on campus that you knew you had something special there? Well, I've told the story before. I mean, in our recruiting process, when he came on his official visit, that's when I knew the guy just got ball. But that's one thing. And when he came and he had the opportunity, we had a couple injuries right before that first, you know, before that first game. He stepped in, and when he got out there in his first game and made 20 tackles, and just off of pure instincts and athleticism, you're like, yeah, this guy. Yeah, this guy can be all right now. <laughs> it's kind of it was kind of like Cody Glenn in that first year. You know, Cody Glenn never. I remember sitting in the locker room before the first game, and he's like, "Coach, man," he goes, "He goes, Zach, I'm a little bit nervous." I go, "What are you talking about?" He goes, "Coach, you, you realize I've never tackled anybody in a game before." <laughs> I said, "I said, Cody, man, you're gonna be just fine." He goes out and he has 20 tackles. So. You know, this coaching thing's overrated. <laughs> Mike Eckler's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Outside linebacker coach, special teams coordinator at, at Tennessee, and one of, one of your favorites and a guy I know you're close with, uh, Will Compton. And Will has had such a stellar uh, NFL career. And then, of course, what's blowing up with him uh, media-wise. And the last time we had you on, you were so gracious to, to kind of recount the Compton recruiting story but coach I, I want a look-see into to your style when you go into a living room you, you've talked about Levante David you, you just touched on Philip Dillard I mean guys that were really high-level recruits and, and obviously Levante is one of the best there is in the league but you've always had that gift to be able to get into a living room and, and, and that's nationally be it North Carolina be it Georgia be it SC be it Nebraska what have you learned and what have you tried to hone through your career, not only as a coordinator and as a position coach, but also the lifeblood that is recruiting? Well, it probably goes back to my dual citizenship. Okay. You know, I'm um, Jamaican also. Okay. And I did not know um, that. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. My wife and I got married in Jamaica. And ah. In order to get married over there, you got to go four days early and declare citizenship. She does not. Um, she's not quite as proud as as her heritage of her heritage as I am, but I, I definitely appreciate it. But seriously, um, it's. I think. I think recruiting. It's all about connecting with people, and you. When you walk into a room, you you feel the temperature, and and you understand the the, the people you're dealing with, and everybody comes from a a different background, everybody's got a different story, everybody's got a different personality. And it's just really understanding people and being able to connect with them and just being genuine. So many people, I, I tell, I was in sales before I got into um, coaching. 
And I would tell people I, I pride myself on being the worst salesman in the country because I hate to be sold something. Mm. And it's the same way in recruiting. I tell these kids, I'm like, don't listen to me. You know, go talk to our players. And our players are going to shoot you straight. They're going to say, hey, well, ask them, how am I, once you get on campus, how am I every single day in the meeting room? How am I on the field? You know, during the games, am I going to point a finger? Am I going to point a thumb? Are we in this thing together? You know, ask them. And I think that's the, that's the key. I mean, just be real with people. Be real, be genuine. And then, you know, if you're going to talk it, walk it. You know, and, and, and let your reputation speak for itself. Mike Eckler is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, you know, at Tennessee now, you're, you're coaching outside linebackers. And I just want to get your take on this. If, as you look at how the game has evolved into, you know, a little more passing, a little more spread, kind of favors the offense in general. I don't think there's any position on the field that is more demanding than outside linebacker because you kind of have to get like the perfect football player on that side of the ball. You need somebody that can get their hand in the, especially if you're in a three, four alignment, you need to have somebody that can put their hand in the dirt and get after the quarterback, somebody that can cover the tight end in the flat or even a receiver in the slot can be a great tackler, can be fast, is tall, is right. Like as you recruit out there, isn't that difficult to find that position compared to some of the others? Yes and no. I mean, you're looking for tall guys who can, um, who, who have the hips, who have the athleticism, have the, um, the speed off the edge on the, and, you know, to rush the passer. And like you said, to drop. Um, so I think, I think there's, I think there's guys out there. I mean, obviously there's, 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 guys that are more special than other guys but um but i think i think you can um i think there's there's a good pool of guys that um you can draw from and and you can develop and and that, so i don't know i'm babbling now but um i do i believe that uh, you can go get them mike eckler's with us coach keep you a couple more minutes it's fun to, to spend time with you again so how does this wiffle ball compared to, to noon ball? Because I see that you're, you're posting updates on Twitter <laughs> with wiffle ball at Tennessee and also uh, the noon ball tradition that I know was alive and well at Nebraska. Well, Josh Heifel, number one, he, this guy's unbelievable. I mean, you talk about – he reminds me a lot of – a little bit of Bill Snyder from an organizational standpoint. And – but a, a little more of like Pete Carroll from a coaching standpoint. I mean, guy, guy enjoys himself, mm-hmm. and the staff. I mean, guy, staff loves him. He's all into, um, you know, having fun and, and bringing the staff together. And does the same thing with the kids. We we took twenty of our kids to a baseball game last night. Played Arkansas, number one team in the country, and we're a top five team. And we're up there having a ball with our kids up in the stands. And we've taken them a couple games so far. So, again, just the whole culture that, that he's creating here is phenomenal. And it goes back to what I touched on earlier. It's who he is. I've known Josh for 18 years. And he is the exact same person now that he was then. He, some, uh, there's, a, there's a saying, you know, some people get intoxicated by their own success. And he's not. He has not. He's the same guy. 
and he's an RLD, a real live dude. Mm. So we're, we're fortunate to have him here at Tennessee and absolutely love working for him. Mike Eckler is with us on Hale Varsity Radio, outside linebackers and special teams coordinator at Tennessee and formerly at Nebraska, of course. Coach, how about the subject of tackling in practice, especially as a defensive guy and you played the position? It's an important skill to know, but over time, the the, <clears throat> the amount that you can live tackle in practice has just been greatly reduced and it's trending that way. It's, it doesn't seem like it's going to get better from that regard. How, how are you managing that as a, as a person that ultimately that's your job is to make tackles, but you can't practice it as much. How are you balancing that? Well, you just have to be creative and you've got to adjust and, and all these new rules and, and things. I mean, they, they are what they are and, and they're to make the game safer and, and protect players, which I'm all for. So it's our job as coaches to adapt and, come up with um, better, better non-contact drills where you're getting your body in tackling positions repeatedly. And really a lot of what football is is body position, whether it's your stance, whether it's your, your, you know, your base at the point of contact, whether it's dropping your weight to make a tackle. So it's about how many times you can train your body to get in those positions. And, you know, the, the tackling part, you probably don't need to do as much of the actual finishing. So I think we'll be just fine. I don't think you'll see the product on the field suffer at all. Mike Eckler's with us. Coach, we'll get you out of here on this. And you posted this on Twitter, and I had to chuckle because it wasn't me. But, man, the field awareness topic. Can we dive into that? <laughs> hey. That is all Philip Dillard. That was his problem. Well, let's let's fault. let's let's lay it out here because this is a a, a game. This was a, a hell of a ball game uh, against a really good Kansas team. I think uh, Mangino was was coaching, and oh, you guys yeah. you guys win in Lawrence, uh, big win in Lawrence in '09. And mm-hmm. there's an incomplete pass. There's a, a pass to the flat intended for Sharp. Their little kind of scat back. And the ball mm-hmm. bounces. You're you're shielded by some people, and as football, oh, by the ref, by the ref, and the ball, yeah. the, the ref moves out of the way. The ball bounces up and it catches you. Correct. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll, I'll take you back a little bit further. So Philip Dillard is supposed to be taking their um, best receiver Briscoe across the middle, and he busts, and I'm pointing at Phil and, and yelling at him. And the official, I'm not looking at the ball. The the, fifth, the official stand in front of me. The ball skips on the turf, and as hard as as hard as it could, I mean, it hit me square. I mean, it totally knocked the wind out of me. And you had Will Compton standing there, did nothing. You had James Dobson, a strength coach, standing there, did nothing. I couldn't even breathe. I make my way back to the bench and and had to catch my breath for about. Took me probably about one minute. I mean, it's the hardest I've ever been hit. But um, after the game, um, you know, I, I, I had I had to have uh, about a month's worth of intense therapy for my wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And I I don't disagree with that approach. Uh, and it's it's horrific. I mean, this is the mother of all shots. That all men oh, yeah. hate, and it's a football that bounces, and you were brave enough to post it on Twitter. 
about field awareness, trying to get the word out. You gotta, you gotta have fun, and you know what? <laughs> if you can't, if you can't laugh at yourself, then come on, man. No, and I people, know. People in this world are too serious, and you gotta enjoy it. And that's all. Like people are asking, talk about Twitter and whatnot. Right, right. My whole stick is, I just, I want, I want to enjoy life, and I want people to, to see a little bit of it, and 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 come along for the ride. Well, did did Dillard and Compton apologize for not having you? Having your back? Yeah, you know what? They did, but really, I mean, it was too late. It was too late. You need eyes everywhere. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe be up in the booth, you know, or, or start wearing some protection on the sidelines. You know? that, 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 yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like we're playing Little League ball again. Time for a cup, you yeah. know? Well, well it's funny because, like, in special teams, we always talk about field awareness. You know, everything you do, you got to have field awareness. So you got to. I thought our, our players were dying and laughing. They thought that was pretty funny. Well, so. Coach Wolog, get caught up again. Best to you in the Tennessee program, man. It's it's awesome uh, to have you uh, in the SEC, and hopefully uh, soon Nebraska and Tennessee can meet on the field. That'd be fun. Well, I'll tell you what. We, uh, we're having a ball here, and we've got a lot of work to do, but we're having a lot of fun doing it. Coach, you take care. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. We'll see you. All right. Mike Eckler with us on Hale Varsity Radio. That video, I mean, I saw it on YouTube, and then for Eckler to post it, I mean, think about, like, all the shots you've seen of a dude taking it there. And the ball, one, hop, two, hop, kicks up, and the ref moves to the right, and bang. Just (laughs) like, like a soccer player being sniped on the pitch. He falls oh, and, and walks feeling, it off. You feel like you have to puke. And yeah. You feel like you have to. It's, yeah. I think we all remember that time. We've all had that time. Right. But, but not in a, life. But not a. Where that happens. Not, a, not a football. The, There's different sizes. <laughs> uh, but then you, you spend the rest of your life avoiding ever encountering that situation again. Trying to. He's, and he, yeah, he just got caught. He's fun. He's awesome. And uh, he's always been gracious uh, with his time at nebraska joining us and uh also uh his stops at tennessee and and he's had a a really cool coaching career and he's and he's worked for a lot of different dudes and i'm happy he's at tennessee for him well and well and talk about positive attitude oh yeah too right i mean bring up a couple things like hey coach finding an outside linebacker sorry he's like "Ah, i ain't worried about it (laughs) hey coach you can't tackle in practice "Ah, i ain't worried about you know adapt move on um, you know, there's something to be learned there. It's pretty cool. Uh, we will check in with the Iron Horse coming up. Gary Sharp's on the way. Weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Early to rise with Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. All right, we'll get the uh, Mike Eckler interview posted up and uh, his message about field awareness. <laughs> Chris Schmidt, Mark Radak, and Damon Barr. We welcome in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Sharpie, how's your Saturday? What's up, man? You know what? It's uh, shaping up to be okay. Weather is nice. Um, Nebraska baseball rolled last night. It's uh, it's good. It uh, feels like the middle of uh, May, 15 weeks uh, before the football season. You've got that countdown going for all of us uh, with football, but 
let's spend a second on on Husker baseball and uh, impressive win last night, twelve to two, and Nebraska back in first place in the Big Ten standings. And you know when you look at the job Will Bolt's done, I, I love listening to him each Wednesday with his press conference because he's so matter of fact with the the process of things. And Sharpie, he's a guy that's, I mean, he's coached a long time and he's been a head coach before, but this is power five. And, and he's a, he feels and seems like a vet, uh, a veteran manager with, with how he's able to not only get buy-in, but also get uh, that, tra- that, that message to translate on the field with the kids' focus. Well, I think he doesn't complicate things. You know, he didn't complicate things when he was a player. I don't think he did it as a coach. I don't think he does it as a head coach. Uh, I just think he keeps it simple. I mean, you, you can overthink baseball, and I don't think Will does that. And, you know, let's be honest, Northwestern, their roster's a little decimated after COVID. Mm-hmm. They're not great. But if that's the case, you're still supposed to win the game. And Nebraska got everything you wanted on a Friday night. Cade Povich was magnificent once again. The bats were churning. You had three guys had three or more hits. You had 16 as a team. You scored 12 runs, and you did work. You could you could do work in front of you and then watch the scoreboard to see what Michigan and Indiana were doing. And, you know, Nebraska is back in first place. And I think they're in the NCAA tournament. Now it's just can you solidify the number two seed. Um, I'm not surprised yesterday that they didn't get a regional. They lost that when they got swept by Rutgers. Um, but now you want to be a number two seed, but you have to find a way to be a number two seed where you're not going to Fayetteville. And what that'll take is just continue to win games. And, you know, two weeks ago, everybody's kind of down in the dauber a little bit, but it's been a good bounce back by, uh, by Nebraska. What are they missing, Gary, like as, as Will continues to build the program? Because uh, they seem like a fair, you know, they're, they're a well, I look at them as a well-balanced team for the most part. What do you think is the next step, though? Is it, is it they need to get more sluggers? Is it they need to build out the bullpen a little bit more? Like, what do you think is the next step? Well, I think uh, building out the bullpen a little bit. You know, you don't know this year because you're not playing midweek games what happens with your pitching. You have enough pitching to get you through the midweek games. You know, you're just focusing on the weekend. And you can make a case that Nebraska is still searching for a number three starter, but there's a lot of teams in the Big Ten that are searching for a number three starter. I I think just uh, continuing to accumulate arms. You know what is amazing about this is Colby Gomez – was supposed to be your closer, or or in your or actually in your starting rotation, and he was out for the year with an injury, an arm injury, and you've been able to piece some things together to get you know some solid one and two out of Povich and Roch. Um, I, I like this team. I like the way they're made up. I think offensively, you know, one day they can hit home runs, the other day they're going to hit balls to the gap, the other day they're going to play small ball. Um, it's a well constructed roster, but I would say more arms as you move forward, and and I would encourage anyone that gets an opportunity to come to Omaha uh, during the Class B State Baseball Tournament and watch the next big stud from the state of Nebraska and Drew Christo um, because he will be in the weekend rotation next week, next year for Nebraska. Gary Sharp's with us on Hale Varsity. Sharpie, spend a second on, on some of your observations with the, the in-state talent here in Nebraska and how that's always kind of been a priority for Nebraska with Will Bolton company, but it, it's being realized they're, they're getting those in-state kids to come to Lincoln and stay in Lincoln. Well, we, you know, first and, and, and good luck to everybody that's playing in class A and class B state baseball beginning today. Class A is in Lincoln. Class B is in Omaha. Um, this should be the last year in Lincoln. Um, 
love you folks in the capital city, but you don't take care of the, you don't want them at your Haymarket Park. Uh, you got them playing in two high school facilities uh, today. But the high school baseball in this state has always been really good. It has been really good. It just has not gotten the attention that it's really gotten over the last couple of years. And you have Creighton, Omaha, and Nebraska all recruiting locally. And so there's an opportunity for these players that also get to showcase themselves outside of the state in these prospects camps are getting noticed and are getting talked about. The baseball is really, really good in the state. There's some good people that are head coaches, and there's some really, really good players. Now, from Nebraska's standpoint, you know, we've kind of ridden the roller coaster of in-state talent. You had John Sanders who, you know, he was a pride of Grand Island. He didn't necessarily love in-state kids. You remember all the junior college players, all the California kids that he would have, and there would be some talented in-state players that would go away. And then Dave Van Horn came in and he said, he went and watched local players play, and he was like, wow, we've got some really good talent here. And he started to build his roster, mixing it with junior college players, kids from Texas, kids from really all over, I mean, Canadians. He said, we're going we're gonna to recruit locally. And he said, I'm going to pay attention to arms in this state. You know, just because you can only be outside being, you know, baseball weather six, seven months out of a year, that doesn't mean kids can't pitch. And so he took a chance on Nebraska high school pitchers, and it paid off for him. And then, you know, Coach A continued it as well. But then you had Darren, and I think Darren, Darren appreciates the talent in the state. I mean, you look at, he, he recruited in-state. The problem was he had a pitching coach that did not trust any arms that were from the state of Nebraska. And that was a huge mistake. And that then trickled down to players not wanting to come to Nebraska when you'd think it would be a no-brainer. Well, Will, as he saw under Dave Van Horn how important in-state products are, I wonder if, if, if Nebraska has got an exception for baseball that they can have 40 scholarship players because it just seems like every week he continues to add to his recruiting class, but he has paid very close attention to pitchers from the state of Nebraska, and they're no different. They just haven't thrown as many innings, and he is offering them scholarships, and I think you see the momentum and the excitement is back again for in this state towards Nebraska baseball because Nebraska baseball is aggressively recruiting in-state players, they're not going to get them all because Creighton and Omaha has put together, both have put together a pretty good class, and there's some other players that are going to go outside of the state. But they're, uh, you, you're, you're going to have a hard time getting away from Will Bolton and his staff nowadays if you're an in-state prospect. Now, you, look, you mentioned Drew Cristo earlier. Of course, he is the son of Monte Cristo, the Count of Monte Cristo of Husker <laughs> Vision fame, mid-'90s backup quarterback. Uh, now, how about Drew as a pitcher? One... Will he even come to Nebraska because of his pro prospects? And then two, what's Nebraska getting in him? Well, let's go. Let's, let's first start with his pro prospects. He's going to get drafted, but a lot of the scouts that I know uh, will, will pass on Drew Cristo because Drew wants to come to Nebraska. His dad wants him to come to Nebraska. And they've made that pretty clear. So it would be a high level to sign him. Um, and I think teams will be turned away by that, and they'll say, all right, we'll, we'll watch him uh, for a couple of years at Nebraska. So I think he's coming to Nebraska. I think he's going to be a difficult sign. Now, somebody could just overpay and say, we want this guy, and why wouldn't you? He's a great athlete. You know, he's a three-sport star. Uh, he'll probably be, I would think, the Omaha World Herald or Lincoln Journal star at male athlete of the year for high school uh, because of his success. But he's got a 94-mile-an-hour fastball. He's a big – he's going to – I mean, when, when you get him in a strength and conditioning program, that body is going to start to develop even more. Um, he's got a 94-mile-an-hour fastball that I mentioned. 
He's also got a great curveball slider. He can throw four pitches for strikes, but he's got he's got like his dad. He's very competitive and he's very focused. If you saw him play football for the state championship uh, team in Class B in Elkhorn, or saw him play basketball, I mean he's competitive. It, it's it's going to be tough to knock him off the mound. And he, along with his team, have had you know, and they've got a couple other pitchers on his staff that are um, uh, headed to play Division One. He's really really good. He's a competitor. He is such a weekend guy in the Big Ten. And if you get Povich to come back, you add Drew Christo, and you got a nice little weekend rotation next year for Nebraska. But people should be really, really excited about Drew Christo coming to Nebraska. And I'm pretty sure that he'll end up at Nebraska when it's all said and done. Gary, real, Sharp, real quick. Real go quick. Ahead, go ahead. Uh, sorry, sorry to cut you. He's no slouch at the plate either. <laughs> Are we looking at a potential Schwelly slash Hallmark situation? I mean, can you afford to sit that bat down? Um, I'm not sure yet what their plan is. Um, I think they would like him to focus on pitching. You know, is he going to be your your number one or number two weekend starter, or are they going to maybe use him as a closer? I don't think they've designated exactly what they want to do with him. Um, there's an opportunity that he could hit. I mean, I think we're going to see. You know, scholarships in baseball are not abundant. Uh, you got to split them up. You're going to you see more and more two way players. That's that's definitely a possibility. And. You know, it's not like Nebraska doesn't have him now or hasn't had him in the past. And that's also a drawing card of, hey, you're not just going to be a pitcher. If you can hit and you've proven that you can hit in high school and hit against high-level pitching, you're going to get an opportunity. That's, just, it's, it's, that's a good point, Mark, because it just shows you what an all-around really good talent Drew Christo is. Gary Sharps with us, Sale Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. Sharpie, uh, a topic this week that uh, was um, – was was tough to focus on, but was well written and researched by our our friend Mitch Sherman. Was the the O one Colorado game the uh, the upsets that still resonate twenty years later? And uh, we, we had Mitch on and, and talked with Coach Barnett and, and Coach Darlington on it. Well, you lived it, man. Some of us were were watching that uh, that fateful Black Friday in O one. I was in my parents' basement uh, drinking Dad's beer. I'm sure Cranack, you were watching. Maybe you were in Boulder, but, but Sharpie, you were you were on the sidelines for it, man. Let's let's go back there for a second. And do we have to? Well, I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm curious from from your vantage point, being up close and personal to it, and being as part of the program as you are. You know, and and were then just did you see it coming? Um, gosh, you. 20 years later, I can say, man, it made a lot of sense. If you look at how that season, if you look at that roster, and the fact that Eric Crouch, I don't think will ever get as much credit as he deserves, and we're talking about a guy that won a Heisman that year, for pulling that team through that season. Because they weren't a great team, but they had an incredible performance by a quarterback who you know, helped everybody else along the way. Their defense wasn't bad until it kind of hit the wall at the end of the year. Um, so I always tell people that's the day that Nebraska football died because that's the first time that I can recall that I saw Nebraska football players when Colorado scores uh, at the end of the first quarter to go up 28-3, walking off the field, and they look defeated. Even in losses, I never, I never got that sense. They were still engaged and in it. That was a deer-in-the-headlights look when they were coming off the field 28-3. And, you know, could you have seen it coming? Well, you know, um, one thing happened, 
the Wednesday night before the Friday game, you know, Wednesday before Thanksgiving, popular time to go out to the bars. You had, you know, defensive backs were out celebrating, having a good old time. Frank had warned them, anything you do tonight is going to affect you on uh, Friday, whatever you're putting in your body or how much sleep you get. Um, I think Nebraska got real cocky. Some guys got cocky that, okay, we got this. We're going to go to Boulder. Then we're going to go to the Big 12 championship game. You know, then the Big 12 makes a mistake, and they deliver the North Division championship trophy to the Colorado locker room. So they put that in the middle of their locker room as motivation for that game. And then they just came out and bludgeoned Nebraska, you know. But here's, here's that game. So when it's 42-30 and Diedrich fumbles, if Diedrich scores, I think Nebraska wins the football game. Because Nebraska has finally got their feet on the ground. Remember, they were down 28-3. And you could feel it start to turn because Nebraska was starting to play well. And Eric Crouch, who I think that is the hardest I've ever seen him play in a game, and he got beat up in that game. It's 42-30, Diedrich fumbles. But then Nebraska comes back and Crouch scores. Uh, if you remember that touchdown, and Nebraska's within, you know, they're, they're starting to make some noise. But after that, it was Chris Brown, and it was demoralizing. It was downhill. It was scary. He had Boyd Epley run up in the stands to protect his wife. He had uh, Colorado students beating up Nebraska fans. He had people fearing for their life. And then, lo, lo and behold, myself, the play-by-play, at the, the play-by-play guy at the time for Nebraska, Warren Swain, uh, radios down, hey, I'm not going to be able to make it down to do uh, Frank's uh, post-game uh, show because I'm afraid of Colorado fans. Mm. And I'm like, what? So, guys, you know, they're, they're telling all the Nebraska people to get off the sidelines uh, before the game is over because people are going to storm the field, and you never know what's going to happen. So they were starting to move the equipment off the field and all of that stuff well, you know, in the last couple of minutes. So everybody hurries to the locker room because you got Colorado fans coming out of nowhere uh, and everywhere. And, you know, you, at Colorado, the, the benches, you, as a fan, you can just walk by and slap somebody in the head. I mean, you're that close. Um, so everybody gets off the field quick, and I'm like, okay, I'm out of here. And I step inside of the doors to the locker room. And you know how the, the locker room's in Boulder. You know, you basically walk up a driveway, and you're in the locker room, and they're kind of small. Guys, it was so odd to be in that locker room because there was very little sand. I mean, it was so quiet. And we get ready to do the postgame show. And I said, Frank, Warren's not going to make it, so it's just going to be you and I. I asked one question, and Frank didn't respond right away, and I'm like, oh, no. He was really good, but in that moment, and we're talking about 10, 15 minutes after the game, he didn't know what to say. And that was, that was just uh, that was a bad, bad day in 01, and you know, Nebraska football, that's kind of the day that the aura of the end ended as I looked at it. You know, and of course, the, the glory years for Nebraska, and that was, that was like the end of it. Um, one of the big hallmarks, or there's two of them, I think. It was, it was physicality and it was depth, right? You just, you had a large roster. You had extreme competition at every position, you played a certain physical brand and coach Frost knows that. And he's, he's trying to, he's trying to reenact that in a, in a modern football world that sort of relates, I think to you're seeing some of the strength and conditioning uh, performance index numbers trickle out over the past week. Um, 
where do you think he is at in terms of building that sort of depth and that sort of competition? And do you think that is the key, the formula, regardless of schemes, that will get Nebraska back into the mix to contend in the West? Well, I think that's a huge part of it. I think also you can't just have depth. you got to have some fellas that when you roll up on Saturday and they get off the bus and they put pads on and they play football are scary and people have to scheme for them on offense or defense. But they've done a good job. I think what happened here in the first two, I'll even say two and a half years, I don't think this staff was ready for the Big Ten. They thought they were ready for the Big Ten. They were not ready for the Big Ten. And how the Big Ten is built in terms of what they do well, what, what you aren't ready to do yet, um, the physicality, the coaching that is going on in the Big Ten. So I think it took them a while to adjust to that. Probably got humbled a little bit. But you can see by the recruiting and the depth that they're building and the kind of bodies that position, I think they've identified their weaknesses. And just looking at this spring, you know, they're, they're starting to build some quality depth. And I think competition will drive some guys and make them better. And hopefully guys that are not performing well that have competition, it's okay to sit those guys and let the best people play. And that's only how you get better, whether it be in football or in, in the business world, is competition. So I, I think that will have a direct benefit of what happens on the field. And that's all part of it. And I keep saying this, guys. Nebraska's got to take care of Nebraska first before they can start talking about the West Division or let alone the Big Ten. But I think they've made strides to look internally and say, hey, how do we get better? What do we have to fix? And they're making strides there, and they just have to continue it. It's, it's the one thing in this conference and in this division, you can't get lax. I mean, you've got to get going 365, 24-7 to always be improving yourself and your roster. And, you know, I think it just took a while for this staff to realize that. Now, when they get to that point, can they maintain it? You know, and Gary, it's it's funny when you just mentioned how staff maybe wasn't ready for the Big Ten. Do you lean more on that being an indictment on readiness for the job? Or do you lean a little bit more towards, hey, there was recognition there. They've completely changed their recruiting profile. Completely. Especially like the wide receiver position. Um, is that a promising sign or is that a desperation sign? No, I, I think I think it's not. I wouldn't use desperation. I think it's just the stark reality. Hey, we're we're not as as great as we were at Central Florida. The landscape is a lot different in this conference. We just can't take the blueprint from Central Florida and bring it to Lincoln. Um, you know, we're not able to outcoach nearly every staff in the AAC. We've got challenges on Saturday in the Big Ten, and I think it's just a little wake-up call. Uh, you know, you'd rather have it now, kind of after year number two or in the midst of year two, than to say, all right, we tried this for five years, now what are we going to do? Um, but with that said, now that you've adjusted to the Big Ten and you think you have a really good handle on how you win in the Big Ten, you've got to start to win. You can't just keep saying, all right, look, at, we're recruiting this body, we're recruiting these guys, we look like a Big Ten uh, team on the line of scrimmage. No, you've got to have that now pay off for you. And so that just adds to the importance of this year. But recognition is a big thing. I, I think it would be easy to, to, to walk around for four or five years and be cocky and say, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Well, 
there's also a sign of growth as a young head coach that you say, all right, we've got to do this, this, and this because that isn't working. And it's okay not to admit default or defeat, I beg your pardon, but to say, you know what, I'm growing as a head coach and I'm going to find any resource available to win a football game. Gary Sharp's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Sharpie will let you get out on this and to Mark's point about, you know, the adjustment. And, and when do you think that happened? Was that after 19? Was it after 18? Or was it, is, was it, was it a, a moment after this COVID season? Can you pinpoint in your mind when, when the recognition happened where we need to, we need to, to be better, A, but, but B, we need to change? Well, physically it happened pregame and Ann Arbor, Michigan, sure. because that staff stood on the field and they looked at Michigan warming up and they looked at that Nebraska team and they said, uh-oh, we've got to do something physically. We've got a couple of fellows here, but we don't have people that look like them. And that really, and you know, and that, that you were in the midst of, you came in and you knew that physically you had to change. And so that was already happening, but I think that was the stark reality physically Oh, my God, look at Michigan compared to us. I think where it really started to, uh-oh, was about the Ohio State game in 19. There, I think Scott is at a point where you come into that season, and remember, really the only time this program has had momentum was the 18 season, kind of towards the end of the 18 season. Then your, your momentum got stunted by the loss of Colorado, but you're thinking, okay, where are we at in terms of how we match up here comes Ohio State, and Ohio State came in, and they had a bunch of NFL guys, and Nebraska had nothing that night. And you went, uh-oh, we are a lot further away than you know, we thought. But we like what Ohio State does. They are doing what we want to do. What do they do that we could possibly do right now? And I think that started a transformation about you know, what we're going to recruit in terms of what size at each position, and kind of the mindset. But, guys, we say that, and then it drifts back when we think, okay, they're going to be a power team, and they're not a power team. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I would, you know what? I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the Rutgers game at the end of last year was, uh, man, we might have found the blueprint. We can play power football. We can run it. We can play good defense. we got young guys on the field. Maybe that's the way to do it. I don't know. That's that's the conundrum right now with Nebraska is what they want to be. You know, we always talk about Will Bolt. He definitely, the identity of his team matches him. Does the identity of Scott Frost, does his team match his identity right now going into year four? And I don't think we could say, yes, it absolutely does. And that's kind of, that's a little uneasy, but, you know, do you ever get to that? Nebraska baseball has gotten to that. Can Nebraska football match the identity of their head coach? Because if you look around the West Division, teams that are good, Boy, don't their identity of their team match their head coach. Their head coach might be boring, but he's buttoned up, he's disciplined, and so is their football team. Gary Sharp. Sharpie, this was awesome. Great to get caught up. We'll check in next week. Have a great rest of your weekend, and thanks for the time today, man. Hey, thanks as always, guys. Appreciate you. Thank you, Gary. Gary is the Iron Horse Gary Sharp. It's fascinating, right? And he's a 1,000% right about identity and personality. Husker baseball is Will Bolt. Uh, Cranach, and uh, you're you're kind of waiting for Nebraska football, but you know, to your point, at least it was recognized, and now you can adapt. You know, we've talked about the the wide receiver room that's now empty, right, for the 2019 class. 
Yep. But, but man, they've they've upgraded and they've adjusted. I mean, they've got big dudes that can catch the football, and they're able to to recognize that and and work, even though it's probably stunted the offense the last couple of years. I look, everything has been tried since two thousand one. You know, you've you've tried West Coast offense, you've tried you know spread, you've tried pass happy, you've tried pro style. And it'll work. The only thing that's worked here is commitment to the run game and good defense. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not that much being more physical. <laughs> you know? It's not that it's not it's not that much more complicated, right? And if if Scott and and the staff and the team can commit and build to that, you got a fighting chance every time. Uh, right? Like yeah, I, yeah. are we finally there yet is run the ball guy now some Well, the O-line's where outliers is is can run is was run the ball guy right all along i you know yeah just yeah yes perhaps we'll be back at it monday at four for hail varsity cranek have a good weekend man you as well sir